Hello and welcome to Inside Marine, a podcast dedicated to the stories and insights of business leaders from across the marine industry, specifically the super yacht, leisure marine, commercial marine and maritime sectors. Inside Marine is powered by Marine Resources, a leading shore-based recruitment company specialising specifically within these sectors. I'm James Ward, the CEO and founder of Marine Resources and your host here at Inside Marine. It's fantastic to hear these stories and insights and I'm very excited to be able to share them with you today. Hello and welcome to another Inside Marine. Today I'm joined by James Roy, who's the Managing Director of the globally leading Lateral Naval Architects. James, thanks very much for joining me today. That's okay, thank you for the invitation. No worries. So look, we, we, we like to get straight into this and we like to go right back to the beginning. And, um, and I, I'd love to hear kind of firstly, you know, how did you come to get into the, the marine industry? Okay. Um, I, at one level, it's a very simple story that when I was a young, probably about five years old, I think, um, somewhere around that, uh, you know, my parents had a boat and um, uh, I, I have a vague memory of one day being on this boat and uh, uh, this was on the on the west coast of Scotland and um, a ship a ship went past and I, I drew this ship on, on a piece of paper and I think I gave it to my my mum and said when I grow up I'm gonna I'm gonna draw a boat um, uh, and uh, then when I was uh, 13 um, I remember a, a boy at my school had a leaflet um, for uh, a course called um, Yacht Design um, at Southampton Institute of Higher Education, as it was at the time. And uh, I still got that leaflet. Anyway, he gave it to me. And um, at that moment, 13, I knew exactly uh, how I was going to end up drawing boats and um, a few twists and turns along the way. Uh, but I ended up in Southampton in 1992 uh, studying and um, came into the industry in 96 when I finished. Wow. So, you, you know, you were, you were hooked to a pretty early age. I mean, was it, um, you, you know, it's interesting that you were instantly drawn to the drawing of the boat rather than you know, a lot of five-year-olds were, you know, oh, I'd like to, to sail it or build it, but you, yeah. it was draw, drawing a passion for you from a very yeah, early age as well. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Really, I suppose it was just uh, creating, really. Um, you know, whether that's... Uh, sometimes along the way, I thought maybe I'm a bit of a frustrated boat builder. You know, there's a boat builder inside me that um, was trying to get out. But, um, yeah, um, design, engineering, you know, that's that's what, what, I, what I kind of like. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Great. So once you'd you'd uh, you, you you kind of you got through uni and um, and you know, and took your first roles in the in the marine industry and in, in in design. I mean, tell tell us about that. Yeah. So when I when I left when I left university, I mean, in the in the, in the mid late nineties, the I, I'll stick my neck out and say the British marine industry was a pretty grim place. So I, well, that's my recollection of it at the time. There were very few jobs around, um, it seemed. Um, the super industry as such was still kind of in very much in its kind of infancy, um, or the modern 
you know, the modern version of it. Um, so it was pretty unclear really what I was going to do. And, and um, you know, I had a big passion for sailing and, and you know, I, I kind of don't mind saying I wanted to be the next Bruce Farr and, you know, <laughs> be designing America's Cup boats and, uh, and everything. Um, uh, but having said that, I'd always had a very broad perspective and, and thought, well, you know, there are plenty of other types of marine marine craft um, and, uh, you know, had a number of, of opportunities, but I ended up in, in Hamble, which was not a million miles away from where I was living at the time, uh, uh, for a very small company called Nigel G and Associates, who designed high-speed ferries and fast patrol boats and all manner of crazy marine, other crazy marine, marine vehicles. Um, and I, I actually started there under something called the College Business Partnership, which was kind of a government-funded way of trying to unite academia and, and industry. So I had a had a one-year, a one-year placement um, under that under that scheme. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and then obviously you you've sort of really kind of accelerated through a really successful. Uh, career in 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 that space and um it'll be great to kind of just hear a bit more of the the journey you went on you know for, from there and, and and particularly really kind of what influenced you to sort of i guess keep keep going in that in that space yeah well i suppose um that there's an element of right place right time but actually i learned pretty quickly that that phrase is is only really ever part of the story. It's about, you know, creating opportunity. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I joined, when I joined Nigel G's, it, it was a company of, I think there were maybe eight to 10 people at the time. You know, it was quite small. Um, and, you know, been established about 10 years. Um, and sort of from, from joining that team, you know, I remember very clearly with my hand on the door on the first day thinking I'll be here for a year and then I'll, I'll move on to something else. Um, but actually it was such a, such a great place to work. Um, and actually it was Nigel and, and John as the leaders of the business. They, there was never anyone standing over me telling me how to do things. I, I was, um, you know, the direction was set and, um, uh, and, and we, we were doing some really interesting work that involved anything from sort of research through to um, boats that were actually under construction um, and across a phenomenally wide range of different types. One day it was a hovercraft, the next day it might be a container ship, fast ferries, yachts, um, you know, a whole, and then, and then a lot of work with the US military on really crazy crazy future warship type ideas and yeah it was it was um in terms of actually uh, using one's brain it was a it was a great place um to uh, to cut my teeth um so yeah i, I stayed with that company uh, i mean in actual fact i'm still with that company it's just that company has evolved and morphed into other things over the years so um in 2004 it, it was acquired by bmt so it became became part of a bigger group of companies still very much left to be the, the small autonomous agile business that it was. Um, by that time, we'd kind of grown to about 40 people. Um, uh, and then uh, in 2006, I was, I was offered the opportunity to look, you know, do you want to take the company forward in the super yacht market? Because we, although we'd done super yacht work, we'd never, 
we'd never promoted ourselves in that industry. Um, uh, and, and actually the super yacht workload at that time was starting to take over the, the business. So uh, I took over that and built the BMT brand in the yacht market um, until uh, 2018 when we launched uh, Lateral Naval Architects, which is a, is a, is a spin out of, of BMT purely purely concentrating on, on super yacht engineering and naval architecture. And, uh, and, and, and just kind of going back again, you know, you, you said one of the, the things that you really loved about the business back then was the fact that you were kind of given the, the direction and, and, and off you went. And, um, you know, is that, uh, you know, is that still very kind of core in kind of how things are, uh, are, are run still today? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, certainly when when lateral was being conceived, um, and uh, you know, I was considering how to structure the team and uh, how to engage people, and you know, I was very conscious I didn't want lateral to be a business where I'm telling people what to do. Uh, not really interested in in that kind of in that kind of leadership, and you know, leadership really to me is about getting people up the accountability ladder, um, facilitating people to take responsibility and be part of the solution rather than just being told what to do and that they feel like they own the business, see a bigger purpose. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, I very much sort of followed, in a way, sort of followed, followed that model from my early, early career where, you know, I was, okay, I established a direction, align people, um, motivate and inspire a bit and facilitate and support them in delivering on that direction. You know, there isn't really any need to tell people what to do. Um, uh, you know, it's about having, it's about having what I call leadership at every level. Um, absolutely. Right, right throughout the company. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you install that into, to people? Um, uh, I suppose, uh, you know, <laughs> One of the first things is to make sure you're, you're hiring people who are smarter than you are to a, to a degree um, uh, and focus on building that team around you and then, and then you know, making sure that people build teams around them. Um, uh, and I think we are, you know, I, again, I, sort of lessons from history, I've seen many, many times where we would take people who are brilliant naval architects and engineers and suddenly we turn them into project managers or leaders of some sort. And because they were brilliant engineers, we expect them to be brilliant leaders, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and often they would, you know, sometimes they'd succeed and, and fly and other times people would fail and, um, you know, then there'd be a bit of moaning and, and actually when you stand back and think, well, hang on, we didn't actually really, we didn't actually really facilitate this person taking on that role. Um, mm -hmm. So it all comes down to, um, you know, training and, and uh, yeah, passing on those skills. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really, really important point you just said there that, yeah, that that uh, kind of perception that because you're good in one area, you can then be good in the either leadership yeah. area or whatever the, the next area is without the support of the business. And, you know, that sort yeah. of thing is uh, yeah. it is quite often missed and, and yeah. it can be quite a, a negative experience. Right. Yeah. 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 And, you know, we accept across our team, you know, we've all got our strengths and weaknesses. Mm. You know, no, no, no one in the team is... Um, perfect in all areas and part of coming together as a team is that we we support one another and um uh, you know we fill in those gaps um 
And, and what's really, um, you know, you've clearly kind of kept progressing through through your your career in into this into the role that you are now. And um, you know, what what do you really kind of put that down to? You know, how were you that sort of right place, at the right time, like like you said, or what is it you think that your approach yeah, look, stuck out, you know? I don't I don't class myself as being particularly clever or smart or um uh I I think um you know at the end of the day, you know, in the same way that myself and others go out and sell the company uh and what the company can do, um there are there are certain skills one needs to be able to sell yourself as as a company as, as an individual with intellectual property in your head and and um uh actually you know i often think back to university there were one or two one or two lecturers and i think that was kind of the beauty of the course in southampton in a way and that it was it wasn't just academic it did focus a bit on okay these are the things you need to be doing when you go out into industry um and one i remember being told in, in one particular series of lectures about, you know, how you should go out and market yourself, mm. you know, and, um, you know, if you, if you're, if you're into boats and sailing, then, you know, when you want to put a photo on your CV, then maybe it should be a picture of you on a boat sailing, for example. <laughs> I mean, it sounds, it sounds like childishly naive to promote that as, a, as, an, as an idea, um, uh, as any, as anything clever. Um, but it was that kind of, it just kind of, I remember from, from day one thinking, okay, I need to have some skills here and how to, mm. how to be able to come on a podcast and talk about it, for example, um, yeah. how to make oneself, uh, a thought leader, how to, um, you know, it's more, it's got to be more than just coming to work mm. and doing nine to five and, um, uh, you know, have, having ideas and projecting ideas and, um, collaborating with people, making connections, sharing ideas. And that's how one sort of raises, raises one's profile, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, that certainly worked for me anyway. Yeah. Well, I think it's, um, I think, you know, from what, what I just heard, you know, that sounds like the university did a brilliant job of installing those things really early on in the, the career or even before the career. And, Mm. um you know uh i i think that's that's really important and um i'd be interested to know I mean, you probably you know you see a lot of i guess graduates coming out of university coming from lots of different universities is that a theme across the universities or is that something that you you think has always been done very well specifically with with southampton or is it, is it missing oh, i think i think most i think most people now most courses now are equipping people for going out into the workplace pretty pretty well um yeah. i think maybe though uh as i say when i when i graduated in 96 the marine industry wasn't a great place there weren't there weren't that many jobs around people were really hungry mm. to get jobs um now i think uh you know i see less of that hunger there's almost a little bit of sometimes uh sense of entitlement. <laughs> um, I mean, that's not, that's not, I don't mean to generalize, but uh, I think maybe it's a, it's an employee's market rather than an employer's market now. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, it's, well, it's great. You know, there, there's a, there, there are plenty of bright young graduates out there, that's for sure. Um, so, um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, you take your kind of career and your progression to date. Is there, was there is anybody who was particularly a big, big influence on you in that, in that career journey to now? Yeah, I suppose, you know, the, the leaders of Nigel G and Associates, you know, Nigel and John um, were probably, yeah, they, they were certainly my, my mentors throughout my, my time working with them. Um, they're, they're both now retired, but um, uh, I'm watching how they, watching how they ran the business, um, anything from, you know, scratching their head saying, we need some more work, how are we gonna find it? Um, through to dealing with technical problems, um, operational issues, you know, uh, and, and at the same time, still managing to have fun, not take themselves too seriously and, um, yeah, um, have a good time doing it. Yeah, great. That sounds like a really great environment. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, up to now, is there anything that really stands out that you're kind of most proud of? that you've you've achieved or worked on up you know up to now yeah well look you know there are countless um projects along the way that i would i, I would mention and and um uh have a sense of pride in in their in their conception or development um but ultimately i suppose it's uh it's it's where we are now. It's where we've got our two, got ourselves to now. So you know, it's the it's the creation and development of, of the company that was lateral and um, uh, and the people in it. Um, and you know, ultimately, it's ninety nine percent people. Yeah, we, we've got some lovely offices, um, but you know, they're, they're pretty. They're, they're a pretty lonely place for anyone in it, um, and they're certainly. Uh, there are no ideas coming out of it unless there are people in it. So, um, yeah, it's uh, creation of this business and, and the people and, and um, you know, the great work that, that they that they do, we all do. Great. Well, that, that brings us really nicely to the, the next section, which is the, the now, you know, the, the present, you know, mm-hmm. you've got lateral in its, in its current form. As I introduced at the beginning, a real kind of global leader, if you like, in the, in the naval architecture um world and and actually a, a, a wonderful brand at the same time you guys clearly do incredible work but you also have this 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 amazing brand that goes with the business as well and um and you know and i know that's something that's very important to you guys as well and you know i i'd love to hear just a bit a few more of your thoughts around the, the concept of the brand and and, and and really how you kind of um, yeah, sort of promote that side of things, I suppose. Well, yeah, I suppose when when we were when we were conceiving lateral, um, uh, you know, I mean, lat- laterals formed in joint partnership between BMT and, and Dutch shipyard Ocean Co. And for a long time, we had no idea what to call the company, so we just had a placeholder called Bodhi, which was BMT Ocean Co. Design Engineering, and, and there was no way we were going to call a company Bodhi, but. Um, yeah. Uh, and you know we had no idea what a logo would look like or, or anything, and um, and we we ultimately we put together a a, a team of um, you know some really really creative people. Um, there was a, an agency from um, 
design agency from Amsterdam and a, a brand consultant from, from Athens um, and uh, plus ourselves and, and a few of our colleagues from, from Holland. And yeah, we went on the journey. It was an incredibly creative journey. And, you know, for me, it's completely new territory. I'm, I'm an engineer. I'm used to kind of adding numbers together and, and getting definite answers. Uh, and, you know, the kind of journey we went on to, to discover our brand. I mean, to me, that was all a bit sort of gobbledygook at the beginning, really. You know, and this is costing a lot of money. Do we really need to do this? Can't we just kind of go into, an art, into a room for an afternoon and come out with a, a name and a logo? Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we did, we, we did a lot of work and, um, and a lot of that work was really, our, I suppose our brand consultant, not really a brand consultant at all. He's a psychologist. He basically gets inside your head and he gets inside the heads of everyone around the table. Uh, and he pulls out, uh, all the values and the things that you stand for and what you believe in and how you deliver your work. And he puts that all into a clear picture and, you ultimately discover your brand yourself. Um, so yeah, we we came up, we came to our brand ourselves, and, and the creative agency helped us uh, with, with the narrative and the logo behind our, 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 our you know sort of physical manifestation of that. But um, yeah, I have to say it was one of the most out of all the projects I've done, designing boats, um, you know, designing a company and, and developing a brand. It was it was really really interesting. Yeah. And I know one of your um, kind of strap lines, if you like, is to ask new questions. And, you know, how, how much of that do you, you put into your, your kind of, I guess, process or, 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 or experience from the, the, the customer or, or the shipyard point of view? Yeah, I mean, you know, when, when, when we have a new client now coming to us with a kind of, you know, some clients have no idea what they really want. Um, uh, so, you know, the way, the way that process starts is we help them write a question down. Literally, we, we write a, quite a simple question at the start, page one. And when we get to page 50 or however many pages it takes, um, you know, we always go back, constantly going back to page one. You know, are we answering this question? And if we're not, there might be good reason why it's diverted off into some other, uh, other um pathway but uh we're always trying to answer that that question so the asking you questions things is yes it's a strap line but it is actually quite fundamental to how we mm. how we uh how, how we work our ideas and how we how we think mm. and 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 what's happening in the in the business uh, uh you know at the moment um you know we're seeing the industry as a whole in, in incredibly busy and I, and I always kind of gauge a little bit about how you know how busy we're going to remain being in the next months and years with in how busy the design offices are you know yeah. and uh um it'd be great to hear just a bit more about what, what's happening in the in the business yeah community. i mean for sure well i mean you know right now i suppose you know internally we are you know we've got a lot of work and and we're still trying to adapt to uh the back end of a pandemic and um you know the post-covid world that will we'll follow um uh, and, you know, I, I think there's still some way to go in that. Um, uh, it's going to be quite a big project, I think, in a way, because we're, we're putting now in place some more flexible working policies, remote working policies. You know, we don't need everyone here every day sitting at their desk. But at the same time, we do, we do need people here in an office environment to 
create the kind of serendipity that happens when ideas are formed and um, uh, etc. So you know, there's a big there's a big focus on that at the moment, and, and we don't underestimate the scale of that of that task to get the team working efficiently in a new normal um, of of hybrid working. Um, in the market, yeah, we've certainly seen the last, well, certainly this time a year ago, um, it was, it was like, uh, you know, at times it had a feeling of uh, just pre-financial uh, crisis, you know, people were talking about build slots with a sense of anxiety in their voice. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of, one point I was thinking, oh God, we're going to go into a bubble or, um, because uh, I think you know the pandemic's really given anyone who was procrastinating about building a yacht uh, or not being able to justify it to themselves, it's given them a reason to just get on with it because life mm. could be too short. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been very busy. I think that sort of frenzy's subsided a little bit in the last six months, but it's still it's still very busy. Yeah, yeah. and 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 are you, are you seeing any? trends or uh you know at the moment that's that's really ex exciting you for for example either in you know what what people are asking for or you know what, what what's turning your head right now well i think the whole the whole sustainability piece is is still i mean that was that that, that was a major thing pre-pandemic and it's still remains a, a major thing I actually thought at the start of the pandemic that that might subside slightly and, and you know, there might be more of a focus on people wanting boats as safe havens um, mm. for sort of to guard against some sort of future reoccurrence. But we haven't really seen that. The, the focus is still very much on, on sustainability um, as being, you know, is, is in a core, it is a core element of almost every brief that we see that, that comes. Mm. okay and 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 do you see i mean you talked about the um you know you, you've got the customers that may have been deciding for a long time whether they they go ahead and and, and to, to buy a yacht or have one designed and that has that it's obviously been accelerated to them actually doing it is that also accelerating kind of decisions around them playing safe with designs or or actually are they are they really you know, if they're going to go for it, they're going to really go for it and, and have their absolute kind of dreams yeah. uh, designed. Yeah, I suppose we, we, we have one or two projects at the moment that are, you know, in, in design terms. I mean, obviously, mm. we're doing those with a design partner because we, 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 we don't do styling and um, aesthetic design. But, yeah, we, we see some projects really quite aesthetically and, and layout-wise very, yeah, very unique. Um, mm. Yeah. I don't know whether we could call it could call it a trend though. Um, yeah. I suppose that's part part of working in where everything's bespoke. It's you know we don't we don't have uh, it's quite difficult to, to label anything a trend. Um, so. and, and what do you see? The, what's the big opportunities coming for for for, for you? Yeah, look, I think I think it's all around. Um, you know the the I, I use the term sustainability, but really, um, you know, I mean, sustainability is is such a multifaceted thing. Mm. I think there's there's our industry's got a bit over focused on 
you know, using the word green and, uh, you know, just thinking that it comes down to a bit of clever engineering that means we can have smaller engines and therefore we pollute less. Um, you know, sustainability is, is, is way, way bigger um, question than that. Um, you know, I suppose there are that the what one of the biggest challenges that you know that I think will come is it will take it will take a while for it to happen. But you know, the, the pandemic, a bit like the financial crisis before it, and whatever whatever the next big big crisis is in the world, you know, will will increase the, the gulf between between rich and poor, unfortunately. And large super yachts, you know, much like other luxury assets, will be held up as ostentatious examples of excess. Um, and when you set that against the debate on sustainability as well, and the vast resources that are used to build these, these boats, um, you know, it's, it becomes increasingly sensitive for clients. Um, in the past, perhaps maybe because they didn't like it, because they've got a public persona to maintain. But I think now as, as younger generations of yacht buyers mature and start buying these boats, you know, they've grown up in a world where their worldviews have been formed around the fact that sustainability is important and we're, we can't carry on like this. So, you know, how do we make it relevant and compelling for them to spend their wealth on a super yacht in the future? They may well have the means to buy it many times over, but if it's not relevant and compelling to their worldview, then, you know, we're not going to have a market to sell our product to. And also when you think that actually of the of the number of people who have the means to buy or how many we actually sell the yachts to, you know, our potential market is massive. Mm. Uh, but we're only we're we're only capturing a small a small portion of it. Um, so there are quite a few challenges there in terms of I mean they're quite macro in terms mm. of our industry rather than micro this in terms of this company. Um, but uh, there are there are threats there, but equally there are opportunities. Um, mm. You know some of those. Some of our clients are, you know, ultra high net worth individuals who want to leave a legacy to the world in some way. Um, well, you know, rather than, okay, some of them are investing in ways to get to the moon or Mars or going to space, um, but there are ways to invest in technology that could be done by development super yacht projects that advance us towards emissions free marine technology uh, that leaves a legacy um, and an opportunity in the rest of the market. Um, so the opportunity for us is how do we, how do we package that and find those clients? How do we find the clients who want to be innovators? Mm. Um, because they're the guys who will take the risk to, to do these really interesting projects and make them happen. Um, That's really interesting. And, you know, I it'll, um, presumably you're a big part of the role that you play is kind of guiding them towards the right technologies or the, the right ideas. I mean, it'd be, it'd be really interesting just to understand, I suppose, a bit more of the, the life cycle, you know, from the the conception to, to the, to the, to the build. I mean, are you, are you dealing directly with the, 
the, the customers or the shipyards? I mean, how, where do you, you say know, it? It varies. Like, it varies a bit because we're mainly a, we're, we're a technical and an engineering company. Um, you know, the traditional the traditional route of of a, a an individual deciding to build a super yacht and, and actually it, it happening can take a number of different pathways, but typically they would start in the design environment. So they would start with a yacht designer and they would draw the physical manifestation of, of what they wanted it to look like in terms of how and how they might live on it. Um, and then typically after that, a naval architect or an engineer would, would kind of put the foundations under it once it's been <laughs> designed. Um, I mean, that's changed slightly in recent years as boats have become bigger and more complex, the, the technical you, you kind of really need the technical there at the beginning as well. Um, so our client base is either, it's either those clients coming to us directly and bringing with them a designer and saying, I'd like you to um, you know, form this project team and um, develop this design and then help me find a shipyard to build it in, and et cetera. Uh, or a lot of our work is for shipyards uh, for projects they've already contracted and, and they need engineering services. Mm. Um, and then we have other clients, you know, we, move, we may be helping design studios, we may be helping brokerage firms, we may be um, helping management companies, etc. cetera. Um, the, the really interesting ones though, I would say, are the clients who come direct wanting a very technical approach at the beginning. So they may become with quite a sort of challenging idea uh, or question, um, and they want to know what technology is there that can that can or what, which technology should I choose? Mm -hmm. um, and then we, you know, we we have a number of processes we go through with those types of clients. We do technology mapping, where we, you know, we effectively illustrate to them all the spread of technology they could have, and you know, we have ways of conveying. Uh, you know, how much benefit that technology might bring versus how much risk there might be in, in actually procuring it and using it, um, if it's emerging technology. And, um, and, you know, we effectively guide them through, through a process um, and let them, okay, well, we, we, you know, along that process, we're encouraging them to, to be innovators. Um, you know, we, we innovate but ultimately the client has to be an innovator to make the project happen. You know, yeah. being, being an innovator means taking risk. Hmm. You can't be an innovator without taking risk. So if the client's not prepared to take any risk and it quite often, often happens that we show them all the technology that they could have, but they still resort to the tried and tested safe. You know, yeah. Yeah. Great. All this stuff, but I want this. Um, yeah. And, that, and they're, they're, they're in a way, if you like, if we are going to get to zero, if we really are going to do it, um, we need to make it compelling for those clients not to say, I'll have the safe pair of slippers up that the last guy had, you know, yeah. actually, I do want to go outside the envelope um, yeah. and do it in a very controlled way. You know, we're not asking them to bet everything on red or black, um, mm. but that, that's part of the challenge for our whole industry is, is how do we get our clients to be innovators? Yeah. And and presumably as the I guess the the owner uh generation that we're in now, the up and coming owners maybe who are maybe more technology savvy in a way, you know, have grown up 
you know, uh, in a more technology filled world, are yeah. starting to become a bit more open minded. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. really interesting. And I mean, and just keeping on technology and, you know, sustainability as well, it's clearly important to, to you as a company and, uh, and, and yourself personally, I'm sure, you know, what, what are you seeing out there at the moment that really excites you? You know, what's the, the next, the next big thing? Uh, yeah, well, you know, the next big thing might just be the next small thing, you know, uh, <laughs> in some ways, in some ways, uh, you know, super yachts are, uh, a good example of something that is not fit for purpose. Yeah. Um, a super yacht is designed to do anything at any time, anywhere, under any conditions, with multiple layers of redundancy, uh, multiple capabilities. And the fact is it doesn't need all those. It does not need all of that. Mm. Um, most of that stuff will never get used in its life. Um, and it, when you put that on the weighing scale of sustainability, why have all these resources been used to achieve that when it will never be used? Mm. Um, so I think actually, you know, you know, you see it in the commercial vessel market. You have vessels that are designed to do a specific job, perhaps between two specific ports. And, you know, if there's just, for example, if there are search and rescue facilities in those two locations, et cetera, then they don't need to carry life rafts perhaps, or they, you know, the boat is designed to do a specific thing and not anything else. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not promoting that we design a super only to go between Monaco and Saint-Pay and never, yeah. never anything else, but uh, there is, there is, um, you know, we, we, we do see you know, the amount of um, uh, equipment and specifications of some boats are, are, are way, way, way beyond anything that's ever going to be used. And, and it just seems, quite often seems a big waste of resources to, uh, mm. to engineer all this and, uh, and procure it and build it and service and maintain it um, mm. when it's never used. Um, so I think... I think the next big thing in the future may actually be not be quite so big. Yeah, it will be more cleverly thought about and specified. Mm -hmm. um, because actually, if you want to, if you want to advance towards zero, um, you can probably get, I don't know, seventy percent of the way there, without buying any whiz bang giz gizmos or or strange technology, green technology just through smarter design and specification and engineering. Um, okay. And that, if you like, that's the low hanging fruit. So why, mm. why wouldn't we take it? Um, it, yeah. does, it does require maybe to making some compromises uh, and it maybe does require people involved in the projects to let go of ingrained paradigms about what a super yacht should be. Oh, it doesn't have this, then it's not a super yacht. That, that's probably complete rubbish. <laughs> Mm. It's almost a, a re-educating, really, in, 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 in a way. I suppose, in a way, it's evolving what a superior is. Um, I mean, sometimes when I look at, you know, a lot of projects end up being a kind of repetition of the last projects, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and our industry of, we, we got ourselves into sort of this position where the superior is this ethereal thing up here because we built it up to be that. Mm. But 
actually maybe maybe it doesn't need to be that mm. you know the, the perception of what's good quality for example um which is quite an intangible thing right but you know there is a perception of you know if the checker plate doesn't line up in the engine room um then it's it's not a good quality product which well you know the, the some clients may may value that but i think quite a lot of clients you know probably don't value that um i'm not saying any any one way is right or wrong but we, we we've elevated this specification and quality of of a super yacht uh right up here and um perhaps uh, there are there are other there are other ways we can we can con conceive and and develop and build super yachts that they're still yachts and they still provide the experience that the clients want but they do it in a far smarter way mm -hmm. and we address the bigger part of the sustainability question before before we even started talking about risky technology yeah absolutely well i think you know that's a really interesting way to kind of look at look at the future of, of that sector and you know so, suddenly the options are, are almost endless in a way aren't they with the right with the right introduction and i guess guidance from you know yeah. companies like yourselves kind of educating and, and getting people to change the perception yeah it's um well i think it's really really exciting to see where this industry is is going and and with the, the the technologies and it's great to hear there is becoming more of a focus in sustainability and i know that that companies like yourselves that that really drive that message is is helping that so you know really really well done with that so look james we, we we've we've um, we, we've kind of gone through the journey. We've talked a bit about, you know, the the, the, the past and the, the company and the industry. But, you know, we, we also like to hear a little bit more about, um, you know, our, our guests on the podcast uh, at a personal level. And it'll be really great just to find out a little bit about you. So, you know, what, for, for example, what, what is your perfect weekend? Uh, okay, well, my, my perfect weekend would probably be about four days long. Okay, because <laughs> uh, two days is two days is too short. Um, uh, I, I have quite a lot of hobbies that are very weather dependent, um, uh, and they each require slightly different conditions. So it would probably be quite a diverse range of weather conditions at the weekend. Um, uh, and yeah, I'd be with with my kids and uh, and my family um, and having fun. Yeah. And so what sort of weather do you need for your 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 different hobbies? Uh well sailing, I suppose, you know, a nice um you know, a nice summer's day and maybe maybe twelve to fifteen knots would be would be good. Um with uh, you know, you, you know yourself what it's like in the Solent. Um probably without spring tides, um some deep <laughs> tides would be would be fine. Um uh and then uh flying's my other thing, so um a bit of gliding, which needs, you know, a northwesterly about again about twelve to fifteen knots would be nice. Um, uh, and then uh, I've just got into powered flying as well, so like a little bit lighter conditions for that. Um, and then um, you know a bit of rain in there as well. And then I could be in the garage with my classic car. Um, <laughs> maybe if it was blowing a hoolie on one day, I could go windsurfing. Um, so yeah. 
Sounds like well, it's good. To, sounds like it's good to be living in the UK because I think you yeah. can get you can get that variety over four days yeah. here, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of variety of uh, other than that, for sure. Brilliant. So look, and um, actually, you mentioned you mentioned flying. Then, what, where did the interest for that come from? Flying. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you know, I think, you know, although I knew, at, at, I said at five that I wanted to, to draw boats, um, I did I did grow up and, and was influenced by a couple of other things. One was um, a film called Top Gun, <laughs> I'm sure you remember, because um, you seem about the same age as me. Um, so I was either going to be a fighter pilot because I loved Top Gun, or I was going to be a lawyer because I loved a show called LA Law. Um, or I was going to be a yacht designer because I was watching Howard's Way. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, well, I don't know. I'd always had a fascination. I was always building model aeroplanes as a kid. So yeah. um, I think uh, there, there was an interest there. Um, yeah. Great. So look, we always like to just wrap up um, just by asking our guests, if you were to give one piece of advice to somebody considering coming into the industry or, or just entering the industry? What, what would you say to them? I would say, um, you know, take a really big view of, of what, you're, what you're coming to work to do. Um, I mean, we can, we can come to work every day and think, uh, I'm coming to work today and I'm going to, I'm going to draw a crane foundation or I'm going to, uh, work out, you know, do a resistance calculation or I'm going to um, do an equipment number calculation or whatever it is that, that you do. But um, actually what, what we're trying to do is, is advance science and engineering. And, you know, when, when we start to bring in these questions about sustainability in the future, you know, we're, we're actually coming to work to advance humanity, um, which sounds incredibly grand. <laughs> <laughs> I get across the itching bridge in amongst the traffic, et cetera, um, and thinking about the next meeting to go to and whatever it is. But I think, uh, I, I think again, I think if we are going to, if we are going to get to zero in this kind of future world we all aspire to um, and addressing, addressing the, the issues that we have, then, you know, we're not, we're, you know, we, we do need to dial our perspective out a bit and, and have a bit mm -hmm. of a bigger, bigger picture and see, see the bigger picture we're contributing towards. I think that's an absolutely wonderful piece of advice. James, thank you very much for giving me your time today. It's been fascinating chatting to you um, about, about, you know, all the, the journey, but, but also your, your insights into the, the, the industry and the, and the future of the industry. I, I know I've certainly taken a lot away from it, and I'm sure anybody who listens will. So uh, I wish you the best of luck uh, for, the, for all the coming projects. and. Um, Maybe you can come back and speak to us again to update us uh, in yeah, the near future. Yeah, thanks very much for having me on. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And of course, thank you again to today's guest. We hope you've enjoyed today's Inside Marine. If you have, please support the podcast by subscribing and giving us a rating, as well as sharing across your social media. It not only helps us get a feel for our audience, but it really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by many more people. You can also watch us on our YouTube channel, Inside Marine Podcast, and follow us on Instagram at Inside Marine Pod. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time for more great stories on Inside Marine.